Welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and we help growing companies, especially manufacturers, improve their people, process, and planning systems so they can scale smarter and faster. Joining me today is Ben Francis. Ben is the Director of Retirement Income and Investment Operations with Bryce Thomas at Northwestern Mutual. For the last 15 years, Ben has helped clients plan for and realize their retirement goals. This makes Ben the perfect guest to help us better understand retirement matters, Social Security in particular. Welcome, Ben. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Ben, I shared with you right before we hit the record button that I don't know if I know anybody who has more initials after their name than Ben Francis. Very impressive. Oh, thank you. Thank you. A polite way of saying it. I'm a nerd, but that's okay. I, I take that. I appreciate that. Well, it's going to be your nerdiness that we're going to really kind of tap into. And if memory serves me, what prompted my requesting you to come on the podcast is the topic of Social Security came up. And if That's memory right. serves me, we were having a sidebar conversation, and we both were just talking about personal examples by which, through family members, we kind of got thrust into Social Security. And mm -hmm. what I would say is, for our listeners who have said, oh, wait a second, I'm a long way off from that. I don't need to listen to this. My encouragement is, give this a listen. There, It is something that just in our conversation, I learned so much and I'm looking forward to you sharing your knowledge with our listeners. So let's start with that. Ben, what is it about Social Security that kind of gets people kind of um, a little bit rattled? I think the biggest thing is that there's no straight answer for everyone. And what I mean by that is your friend might tell you what they did and it works perfect for them, but their situation could be so different from yours. And so I actually, a few minutes ago, I had someone call me Tell me, hey, my friend told me to do this. And we talked about her situation and it was a completely wrong move for her situation. Now for her friend, it may have been the right move, but social security is so specific to each person. Even if you come down to, you work at the same place as somebody else. Yeah, but does your spouse work? Is your spouse older or younger? Was your spouse a higher or, young, or, or lower earner? So all of those are going to factor in, in addition to what are your retirement assets and how is that gonna play into the picture? So I think it gets confusing for people because not only are there a lot of very specific rules and people feel like they have nowhere to turn because in some cases they really don't, but you add on top of that, the fact that it's different for everyone. You know, I said that we might focus on social security, but I think it would be doing a, a injustice to not just talk about just the notion of retirement. Um, you and I are speaking from United States and this notion of retirement if you open a magazine and you look at what retirement quote looks like, how realistic is these media portrayals? I think for a lot of people, it's not very realistic at all. A lot of folks think, hey, I'm saving this my 401k, you know, I'll, I'm gonna, 65 is gonna come around and I'm gonna retire. It's gonna be a done deal. And so I think in a lot of people's minds, they have this switch that they're gonna flip when they get to 65. And that's not at all realistic. They've got so many different options and decisions that they're going to have to make. Some of them forced at a certain age. Some of them you can choose between windows of ages. Uh, but for example, you know, you've got at age 50 plus, you can start doing your catch-up contributions into your 401k. It's a big deal. At 59 and a half, for the most part, qualified dollars are unlocked that you can start getting without a penalty. Uh, by 62, you've got early Social Security that you can take. By 65, you've got Medicare that you probably have to take. But again, one of those specific to your situation, right? Depending on how big of a company you're working for, you might be able to delay that decision 
without penalty, or even if your company offers you coverage that might, might not qualify if the company is too small, so you might still have a penalty on the Medicare. Then by, for most people, 67, somewhere between 66 to 67 is gonna be their FRA, their full retirement age, where you can get the full benefits, you don't have the reduction or the earnings offset for Social Security anymore, but that's not your max age yet because that decision comes at age 70 where you can get your max benefits. And then of course, 72, you've got RM different RMDs, which are required minimum distributions where you have to start taking qualified money out and so on and so forth. So for a lot of people, they have this idea that, hey, it, you know, I've picked 60 or I've picked 65, I'm gonna flip a switch and I'm gonna be retired. It's just not that simple. There's so much more that goes into it. And that's without even talking about all the investments that you have and how you're going to manage those into retirement. I know when you work with your clients, you're looking at kind of the whole picture. Maybe that's it right. might be appropriate. When you sit down uh, with a client, in this case, we're talking about an individual. I don't want to be an individual or a couple. What are the kinds of things that you are looking at as kind of a starting point? I want to find out what's most important to them. What are their goals? What are they trying to accomplish? Because I can sit and do as much math as I want to, but if the math isn't personal to them, if it's not accomplishing their goals, then, then there's really no point to it. So I want to start and see what are you trying to accomplish? And then we start backing into things from there. Once we know that, well, we can say, okay, what have you done? What kind of planning have you done? You know, how's longevity looking? Um, what age you at right now? Do you want to pass on money to future generations? We start building it in from there. But my most important thing is to find out what excites them, what makes them happy, what are they trying to do? And do you find sometimes when you ask that question, you get blank stares? Sometimes, yes. Some people have never stopped to think about that. They've been saving into their 401k. They might have been saving some other places, and they stop and think, well, you know, I've always heard, and they might throw out a percentage that I should have this much in retirement. Okay, that may or may not hold true. Is your home going to be paid off? Do you have other debts that you're carrying? Did you pay those off a long time ago? You know, what, what's the lifestyle? Do you plan on traveling? Do you not? A lot of that factors in. So there are some assumptions that are somewhat safe to use, so that 80% rule that you hear about. I don't have a problem with using that as a starting point, but it can vary a lot from there. And to your point, some people have never given it much thought. So let's go down that road, the 80% rule. What is it? So you probably hear uh, a lot of people say that going into retirement, you're gonna need about 80% of what your pre-retirement income was. And some people, you know, they say income, I think what most people mean by that though is 80% of what you were living off of. So in some people's heads are thinking income, but really what they're meaning is 80% of what you were living off of pre-retirement. That idea comes from a couple different places. One, it's assumed for most people, they're gonna have their debt paid off, including their home going into retirement. So that can come out of the budget. Two, you're not saving for retirement anymore. So that was a big part of the budget. Hmm. But that comes back to the point of, well, if you're planning on traveling more, you know, is that 80% rule really going to work? So I think it's a good starting point, but I wouldn't just assume that that's going to be the right number for you, especially if you haven't given much thought to what are you going to do with your free time now? You know, I've got some clients that work part-time because they really just want to. They don't need to. They just enjoy that. I've got other clients that say, look, I'm done. I don't have to. I'm not going back to work. You know, I've got some clients that travel the world. I've got some that travel the country. I've got some that want to go sit in a cabin in the woods. It really depends on what you're trying to do. But I think, you know, the 80% is a good starting point, but I wouldn't bet everything there. You, know, you and I started this conversation probably six or eight weeks ago. We met at a professional association, and if memory serves me, what was kind of crossing my mind is we were talking about the current uh, economic climate. We are recording this podcast at the end of June. It will probably be closer to September before this will actually be uploaded. However, uh, at this juncture, um, it, there's a little bit of uncertain future about the economy. And what I think you and I discuss is this idea of 
uh, the great resignation is that a lot of folks thought, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and retire. And what I understand and what I'm reading is there are quite a few number of people who are choosing to unretire. That's right. That's right. And they're choosing that for a variety of reasons, but perhaps the one that's most notable is financial. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, something that I don't know if, if you would have seen to the degree that you might be seeing it now. Right. Absolutely. And, and inflation is a big concern for people, especially once you've retired. So if you're, you're not just looking at what's coming out of your investment accounts in terms of, hey, are they performing well? Is this a good time to pull out? But you're also thinking, okay, how far can the dollar stress? Because when you start uh, realizing that you know, you're on that uh, fixed income, that you're you know, not going to be advancing in your job anymore, that you, you've spent your whole life building into these accounts. Well, when, when it turns and comes time to start pulling money out of the accounts, mentally, that's very different. So you start thinking about things very differently. And then when inflation is as high as it is right now, that's a huge concern. And so I have several clients who just say, you know, I know the numbers say I'm good to retire now, but I'm probably going to delay a year or two. They still want me at work. I'm just, I'm going to stick this out and see what happens. And you know, that makes them feel more comfortable. I think that's, that's not a bad move currently. Um, it's up to each individual person, but, but with where things are at right now with all the uncertainty, yeah, it's definitely, you know, a good idea to take a step back hopefully what you would have done to this point. So what I always try to do with my clients is we always try to make sure that we've already planned for this. We always want to be planning a couple years out, right? So I have some clients who say, I know things aren't great, but because of what the planning we have done, I also know I can retire now and not have to worry about it. So some are, some are choosing to work longer. What you never want to do is put yourself in a situation where you're having to work longer or having to go back to work. Uh, An older school of thought was the 4% rule. So, you know, you can pull 4% uh, a year from your retirement, you're going to be good throughout retirement. That is definitely an older, outdated way of thinking that's been proven wrong in several cases. So I meet with some clients who say, hey, you know, this is, you know, this is what I learned early on. This is what I've always just assumed. So looking at that, you know, the numbers look good. But then when we start doing the calculations with them and start looking at, hey, let, let's factor in different tests on things. Let's factor in different rates of return. Let's factor in different inflation rates. You can see how it, it doesn't always work that way. So planning ahead of time, you don't want to wait until you're at retirement to start thinking about this stuff. So to your point earlier of, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a couple years away from that, I'm many years away from that. Why would I be spending too much time on it? Because you still have a runway. You can still make changes. You can still make adjustments so that when you get to this point, you have options. The most perfect thing to be looking at right now is having the option. Do you want to retire? Do you want to go back to work or do you not? And if you do want to, have some clients that want to just because honestly, they, they miss the work environment a little bit. Hey, that's a great reason to go back. But it'd be a sad reason to go back because you have to and you're worried about um, not being able to meet your needs. Yes. You know, we said that we're going to talk a little bit about Social Security as a starting point. What's probably one of the biggest misnomers about Social Security? For a lot of people, uh, they get hung up on when they take Social Security. So they think, hey, if I take it at, at early, I want to get every dollar that I can. So if I take it early, then I'm going to maximize my benefit. Hmm. What you find, though, is if you're taking it early versus taking it at your max, so your max being age 70, Remember, that's different from your full benefit, which is your full retirement age, depending on what year you were born. It's mm-hmm. going to be age 67, maybe 66 in some months. But for a lot of people that are going to be retiring here uh, upcoming, it's going to be around age 67. Um, so again, if you're taking it early at 62, your earliest benefit, you're taking a reduced benefit. So you're taking a reduced benefit that's going to be about 70% of what your full 100% benefit would be at 67. Whereas if you delay all the way to 70, you can grow it all the way to 124%. So mm. each month that you wait, that's a big misnomer too, is people think, well, if you don't want to 
commit to waiting to 70. No, 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 you're not committing to that at this point. Each month you can decide if you want to take it. It's not even year by year, it's each month. And each month you're gonna get those credits. But a lot of people get confused by that and think, hey, I've got to decide right now if I'm taking it now or I'm having to wait until whatever day, FRA, max. Well, that's not the case. You can pick at any point. Once you start it, for the most part, there's no going back. There are a few exceptions where you could go back, but to do that, you're having to repay the benefits that you received. Mm. So if you've been on Social Security for a year or two, for most people, that's just not practical. And there is a time limit as well. So for the most part, hear me on this, for the most part, you're not able to turn it off. But remember, you can turn it on at any point. So if you're not sure, wait. This is another one that, that almost everybody misses. So we talked about the permanent reduction. Those are the percentages I was just giving out, right? Yes, There's yes. also an earnings offset if you take Social Security before your full retirement age. When you reach your full retirement age, it goes away. But up until that point, there is an earnings offset. So for anyone that is not turning their full retirement age now, so if you take your benefit at 62, for example, for every $2 that you earn over roughly 20,000, it's gonna reduce your benefit by $1. Hmm. That is on top of the permanent reduction you already took because this is the earnings offset, that's different. People miss that, they don't realize there's an earnings offset. I had someone call me today and say, hey, my friend told me I should just go ahead and turn on my benefit anyway, even though my earnings are higher. So she actually knew there was an earnings offset. So, but my friend said, just turn it on because you know I'll get the rest of the benefit later. So what she's referring to is with that earnings offset, so separate from the permanent reduction, right? We'll come back to that. Let's go back to the earnings offset. With the earnings offset, what they do is they will withhold your benefit if you're with over, over the threshold, and then they will redistribute it out over the years that you start claiming again. So once you qualify again, they'll redistribute it out. Here's what she was missing though, and here's what her friend was missing. You still have that permanent reduction. So she still would have been taking 70% of her benefit for no reason, because she wouldn't be receiving a single dollar from it. But so they had it partially right. So she had it more right than some people do because a lot of people are completely unaware. I had someone else call me a few weeks ago. There's actually a friend of mine's aunt. She's like, hey, you know, my friend told me to call you because I was going to turn on my benefit. And I was like, what are you making? I was like, no, 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 you turn on your benefit, you get $0. She had no idea. So in this case, you know, the person who called me today was a little more um, educated. She had a couple pieces of it right, but she was still missing the fact that she'd have that permanent earnings offset. So why on earth would you turn it on? It's that the, the offsets and the reductions people one, they don't understand there's both of them combined. And two, people just don't really get how they work. Back to my point of the break even. So depending yeah, on yeah. where you take it on that spectrum, if you're gonna take it at your max versus taking it earlier, typically the break even point is around age 80 to 83. So what do I mean by that? What does that mean the break even point? What I mean is if you live to that age, it really didn't matter so much if you took it earlier, if you took it later. If you outlived that age, the later you took it, the better. If you underlive that life expectancy, the earlier you took it, the more financially you benefited from it. So then it comes down to, well, how long are you gonna live? I wish we knew, right? Mm. But you can look at your health, you can look at your history, figure that out. Here's another thing that plays into that. Let's say you're looking at a spousal situation. So now we're looking at the higher earner, right? Yeah. So now whoever lives the longest is the one we're gonna count because with social security, if you're both married, you know, you're both pulling from your benefit, if one of you passes away, whoever is still living gets the higher of the two benefits. So now we're talking about at least one of you outliving that age, not both of you. So we've got situations where it's a, you know, spouses, then we'll look at the higher one and say, hey, is it realistic to lay that? Would that make more sense? Because it's gonna give you more of a base income for the rest of your life. I'm sitting here listening to you and realizing, my goodness, this is a sticky wicket as you begin kind of talking uh, about social security. 
in what you have just shared, if you know what the there's a maximum age, there's a full benefit age, help me with the right terminology. But let's say you are approaching the maximum benefit age. Mm-hmm. Um, how soon should you begin the process of reaching out to the Social Security Administration? Uh, I would say do that within a month to two months. You can go ahead and start uh, reaching out and figuring out basically what they're going to do. People think they're going to go to the Social Security office and get advice on when to apply. They really aren't allowed to tell you that. Hmm. That's not what their job is, right? Think of them as the DMV. So you don't go to the DMV to get driving lessons. (laughs) That's just not what they're there for, right? You go to the DMV to process paperwork. It's the same thing for the Social Security office. So when you go, you know, I would say within a month or two, that's perfectly fine. That should give you plenty of time. Um, With COVID, it's been taking a little longer to get the appointment. So you might want to start a little bit earlier. Um, But but when you go, the most important thing is that you know what you're asking for, is that you go there and tell them, hey, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. If you go there and say, I don't know what to do, they can read rules to you, right? And they can say, hey, you're at your full retirement age, you can get your full benefit. Um, I think maybe this is a good time to, to tell a story about uh, with with uh, my mom, her and I called, and I told her, I said, hey, mom, make sure you're on the phone with me. Uh, I know exactly what we're going to do. So let me give you a little background on, on my mom's story. And this actually will parlay into why I know so much about Social Security at all. Hmm. So um, when it came time to help my mom with Social Security, I couldn't find anyone who was really knowledgeable about it. And I got pretty frustrated, like, okay, there, there hasn't been answers to this. Like, why is this so hard? I wouldn't feel like this would be so hard. Everyone deals with it. Why can't I find anyone who can just give me straight answers? So I kept digging and digging. And then over time, you know, getting these designations and learning and really honing in on the Social Security side because I, I couldn't find help for my own family. So when it came time for us to call, I said, Mom, make sure I'm on the phone with you. I want to make sure that this is done right. What we're going to do is, um, my dad actually passed away about 10 years ago now. And he passed away on my parents' 31st wedding anniversary. The last mm. thing he did was he brought mom 31 roses that morning. It's the last time that she saw him. Um, but since he passed away, my mom gets to work by a different set of rules. So she gets to go by uh, the old rules being a widow. Widowers would also get to work by the old rules, which is different from the current rules that if they were still living, they would work by. So what my mom gets to do is mom gets to pull dad's benefit now and let her benefit continue to grow. So it's an old structure, right? So we called Social Security knowing exactly what we wanted to do. So we called, the guy's name was actually Michael. My mom was talking to him and was like, hey, Michael, you know, I'm a, I'm a widow. So they asked her a bunch of questions. She's like, okay, I want to turn on my, my deceased husband's benefit, but let mine continue to grow until 70. So, you know, you can hear him typing or whatever, and he comes back. He says, man, he said, I just, I just don't understand why you would do that. He said, you're at your full age. You would get your full benefit now. You wouldn't have any reductions, and you would get double if you take your benefit versus if you took your deceased husband's benefit that you're asking for. So I just understand why you wouldn't do that. So I kind of go back and forth a little bit, and finally mom just says, Ben, handle this, please. I was like, look, Michael, this is how we're going to do it. You know, please make sure this gets done. And he said, well, sir, I'm going to have to go talk to a, to a supervisor. Let me, let me come back to you. So he leaves for a while. He comes back. He said, okay, I'll talk to him, and, and, and yeah, we can do that. We'll do it that way. So I thought, hey, okay, we're good to go, taken care of. So then my mom calls me. She's like, uh, within three days, the money had already been deposited in her account, already was flowing. I was like, hey, no problem. But later that day, she calls me back. She's like, uh, I just got a letter from Social Security, and they said they've now named you as my spouse. So I tell everyone that's how I became my own father with Social Security, and I have no idea how that even happened. We were, that was never even discussed or anything. And that's with someone, you know, we, we called in knowing exactly what we wanted. We knew exactly what we wanted to do. We knew how to do it. We still got pushback. Now, think back to what Michael said. He told my mom, you know, you can get your full benefit now. You're at your full retirement age. There is no reduction. All of those are factually correct, right? 
each one of those statements was correct. It wasn't that he was incorrect with his facts, but what didn't make sense, it didn't make sense for her situation because she got to work by a different set of rules where she gets to pull dad's benefits while hers continues to grow until 70. So by doing it our way, she's going to get more money out of the system, which makes sense because otherwise my dad's benefit that he paid into is alive, just poof, vanishes. That's a, a great illustration of what really led you to get as intimate with Social Security benefits the, the way you actually have. Before we move to something else, is there anything else, Joe, you want to make sure that we hear about Social Security that we need to know? My biggest advice with Social Security is stop and ask questions before you go to the Social Security office. Understand your situation. You don't have to know everything about it. Right? Talk to someone who does. Talk to someone who understands Social Security. They can help you see how it's going to fit in your situation. Your situation is not the same thing as your buddy, even if you work in the office next door to him. Even if you worked in the office next door to him your entire career, the situation can still be very, very different. Again, depending on if you're single or married, are your spouses the same age, older or younger? Do your spouses work? Do they have higher or lower incomes? How's longevity in your family? What is your retirement asset background? There's so many differences. So a lot of people think, well, I'm going to do what my buddy did because it worked for him. Hey, he might have done what made exact sense for him. Doesn't mean that's the same thing for your situation. So my advice to everyone is stop and ask. Hmm, good advice. Ben, you know this question's coming, and that is I want to invite you to kind of reflect on a circumstance. Perhaps either you or a client got stuck. And what did it take to get unstuck? Yeah, so we're going to go back a little bit to when I, I kind of alluded to this, where my, my dad passed away about 10 years ago. What I didn't tell you was what was going on in my life at that time as well. I had been in a car accident where I was sitting in a red light. I was the third car back at a red light. Somebody coming the other direction was going too fast, lost control, missed the first two cars, and then slammed into me, which led to a back surgery, which led to another back surgery, which led to another one. I had shoulder surgery. Had um, By the end, I had about uh, 11 surgeries over about an eight to nine year period. Mm. My dad passed away about halfway through that. So when physically I was at one of my worst times I've ever been at, um, I was still working, of course. There were times where I was out in the hospital and then I'd be back at work. So, of course, it was it was very frustrating, very discouraging to have, you know, built up a practice and be working so hard, but at the same time, just to not be able to be here fully. And so talk about being stuck. I mean, being, you know, in your in your 30s by that point and needing that much help. I mean, sometimes, you know, physical help getting in and out of the bed, physical help getting to a bathroom and back is not a, a proud or fun place to be and it's easy to get discouraged especially after you know we tried the first back surgery it worked for a couple months and then i was in terrible shape had a second back surgery it made it to where i could walk again a little bit but i, I think back to that and i'm surprised there's not um, just a mark all the way down the hallway from where i would have to hold the wall as i walked down and that lasted for a couple of years because i was terrified mm -hmm. to have a third surgery and then in the middle of that having other surgeries my dad passed away after my second one before my third one so i was not not doing well and, you know, not feeling like I would be able to to help the family as much as I knew I could. And then on top of that, you know, trying to help mom with with uh, um, the Social Security thing, which my family hadn't faced any of those questions before. So then learning all that. So I knuckled down. I really did. I was, you know, in hospitals and stuff and out of the office more. So that's I took that time to, to get more of the designations to really study, to utilize the time the best that I could to make the most of it. And there were days that were discouraging. There were weeks, even months that were discouraging some days. It was all I could do to get up and walk around the block. And I couldn't even always make it around the block. Sometimes I'd have to call people to come and, you know, walk with me and have my cane. Some days I'd have a walker, but I got out. I did everything that I could and kept pushing. It's so, so easy mentally to get stuck somewhere, 
especially when you're going through something physical. And then on top of that, you know, unexpectedly, my dad passing away, who was going to be there to help me through this, he had been there to help me through a lot of this. And then, you know, I didn't even have him there to help. And so it's, it's very easy to fall into, you know, some, some tougher thoughts, some darker thoughts. Thankfully, I'm incredibly stubborn. So through, you know, great support through friends, through colleagues, and just being stubborn, not giving up, just refusing to give up and just continuing to fight no matter what it took. And then finding things that I could do, you know, working on those designations gave me something that I could still keep doing when I couldn't physically be here in the office. And that was, you know, back before the days of zoom and all the, all the, um, out of office work that we do now, uh, but finding something that I could keep doing, you know, walking around the block some days was, was what I could accomplish. And I did it. Thank you for sharing it. You said basically stubbornness, good friends, colleagues, family came alongside. As you kind of look back on that time, what were some of the lessons you learned in getting unstuck? Don't give up. You don't always know what the future has for you. Sometimes it's, it's, it's very easy to, to get discouraged and to think, hey, what am I even doing all this for? Where's all this leading? Where's all this going? It's very easy to, to fall into that thinking. And I think that applies in so many areas of life, not just, you know, if you, if you've been through car accidents, not just if you're, if you're, you know, have your independence taken away from you. I think it's very, very easy in our day-to-day jobs, in our workout routines, in our diet, to think, what am I even doing all this for? You know, what's the point? Why don't I just, you know, take it easy, let my foot off the gas, just kind of enjoy things a bit more. And it is important to enjoy things, but I think you can plan for that too, right? Not that things are so structured that you can't be spontaneous, but remember that there's more out there. There's more that, that you can't see yet, and that's okay. That's part of the beauty of life is understanding that you can't see it all right now, but not forgetting that good things are to come. It's good to be stubborn. It's good to see it through. And some days, if the stubbornness is all you have, lean into it. Throw on some you know, good rock and roll, a good Breaking Benjamin on the rough days, you know, go to the gym and just work it out. For those who are watching uh, this episode via YouTube, when I start asking these very detailed kind of questions, you kind of light up. People probably can pick that up in, in your voice. Um, you also light up on another topic, and that is when you're not helping clients you are doing something that i just found very fascinating not just because you're doing it but the extent of that would you mind share at least the hobby that you and i discussed over lunch a few weeks ago travel i absolutely love to travel i love experiencing new cultures i love meeting new people Uh, i love seeing new places Uh, i just booked my flights to peru for the end of september beginning of october so i'm going to finally see my last world wonder all that got delayed because of COVID. And then hopefully this December, hopefully it'll be my last continent. So I've had my Antarctica trip scheduled for the last two years is the third year I've had it scheduled tickets in hand. So hopefully this year it will actually happen and I'll get to step foot on my last continent. Finally, I'm very excited about that. I'm very, very thankful for the amazing people I've been able to meet all over the world for many of the things I've been able to see, you know, I was able to visit Ukraine several years ago. I was able to visit Russia. So to visit Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, I was able to visit Syria before ISIS swept through there. I saw Notre Dame before the fire. Mm. You know, there's so many things. People sometimes give me a little grief. I'm like, why, why do you travel so much? Like, it's always going to be there. Just take your time. We've seen that. It's just not the case. The world is so different over these last couple of years. And we saw how spoiled it really were. We could jump on a plane and basically go anywhere we want to. And now, now things are different. You know, there's so much opportunity out there. And there's so many beautiful people and beautiful ideas and cultures and different ways of, of doing things and seeing things. You know, my first time going to Europe, 
Um, one of the first places that I went in Europe was France, and our cab driver was was awesome, spoke great English, you know, super super nice. But as we're driving, he's like, you know, this uh, bridge was built in blah blah. That bridge is so much older than our entire country. Hmm. Literally, that bridge that no one even thinks about, that it was just driving over, spinning on, nobody thinks about, is so much older than our country. And seeing how they did things there, and just really realizing what what history and culture has to do, and seeing how beautiful that was. But then when I came back to the U.S., I realized, you know, being over there, it's easy to think, man, that's such an advantage. And then I came back over here and thought, hey, we have our advantages over here, too. We're not bogged down by all these, you know, hundreds of years of, of tradition where, you know, hey, it's always been done this way, so we're going to do it this way. We don't have that. We're, we're, we're more innovators here, right? Which I think is beautiful. But that has its downside, too, because you don't always have to reinvent the wheel to get something done. Sometimes doing something the way it's been done, there's a reason it's been done that way. So looking at, you know, just those ideas, the beauty of that. I was on a train coming back from... Um, from uh, Tashkent, or going to Tashkent, coming back from Uzbekistan, there was a lady there. Um, thankfully, again, she spoke wonderful English, so I was uh, very, very thankful. <laughs> Wish I spoke more languages, I do not, but we were talking and she said, hey, um, you know, what do people think uh, of Tashkent and Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan? She was like, you know, I think that most people probably just think of, you know, the, the movie, Borat, you know, the comedy, which I had never seen, so I didn't really have anything to go about. I was like, yeah, you know, that's, that's probably fair. I said, you know, what do people think of Americans? And she, she didn't want to say it for us. She's like, ah, that they're loud and stupid. I was like, ah, well, okay, not entirely wrong, yes. But we got into a deeper conversation and she said, she said, you know, that's the idea. She said, but she's like, here's what we've learned. And then she started quizzing me. She asked me, you know, when the French Revolution happened, what year it was? I had no idea. She asked me all kinds of things about the world. I was embarrassed. Like I had no idea. And so I started to defend myself. She goes, wait a minute. She puts her hand up. She said, like, wait a minute, please. She's like, here's what we've learned. She said, if you put a group of, of, um, of our students in a room, she said, they can answer these questions. They know it very, very well. She said, however, we don't specialize as well. So if we give them a task to do, everyone has the same knowledge base, so they can all specialize in that one thing. She said, but we've learned that when you put a group of Americans in a room, they're so specialized. They all know something different. And so they're able to accomplish the task more effectively in many cases because they know different things. So she said, yeah, you guys don't know as much about you know this or that or world history. She said, but if we want to accomplish a task, you guys have a clear advantage there, which I never would have thought about, you know, I never would have even, I just thought like, man, we are dumb. <laughs> That's all I was thinking, but I can see what she's talking about in terms of the different kinds of knowledge that we have here and just expanding your horizon that way and traveling. I don't know another way to do that. Ben, you may not realize it, but we just recorded a teaser for what might be another podcast. And that is, um, you could speak knowledgeably about your travel. What I failed to ask, how many countries does that make? I'm at 32 right now. Goodness, goodness. Um, so the, the stories that you have already told and could tell, um, as you kind of look back on our conversation, we've started talking about the broader topic of retirement and nest eggs. We kind of did a more of a drill down on Social Security in particular. I asked you a little bit earlier if you were to kind of recap what might be some takeaways for Social Security, what might they be? Could I step back and just ask that in a broader sense? If we've got listeners to this podcast and retirement's kind of on their mind, what might be some major takeaways you want them to have as a result of our time together? Save early, save often. If the markets aren't doing well, keep saving. If the markets are doing well, keep saving. I think it's very, very important that you find someone that you can talk to that you trust, whether that's a financial advisor, uh, whether that's whoever that is to you that you absolutely trust that can talk to you and help guide you. It's okay that you don't know everything about this. That shouldn't keep you from doing it. 
I'll tell you, I don't know a thing about car engines. My little brother convinced me to change my own oil once. He convinced me back in college that it was going to be cheaper and stuff. And back in college, and I was trying to save money. It ended up costing me so much money. I broke so many things. He came out of the house because I've been out there for hours working on it. <laughs> and I just put his hands on his head and said, what have you done? I was like, you're the one who told me this. He said, I will fix this. I go inside and promise me you will never do this again. So I think of that when it comes to finances, you know, with, with the stuff that I do, the social security, I don't expect people to know that. That's ridiculous, right? How would they have room in their head to do what, what they do? So I think it's okay. You know, there's nothing to be ashamed of or embarrassed of. I mean, yeah, I'm a guy and I, you know, I like to think I have a pretty good beard, so I should be able to work on cars, but I don't. I just, it's not my thing. And I'm okay with that. You know, I'd be like my brother if I need something, you know, I just take it to the mechanic, honestly, but I'll call my brother and be like, hey, they told me this. Does that sound right to you? Because <laughs> I really don't even know. And that's okay. When it comes to finances, it's okay. You've got to be saving though. No matter what, you've got to be saving. Get compound interest working for you instead of working against you. There's really only two options there, right? You're not sitting it out because if you're taking loans, then it's working against you. If you're able to invest and continue to invest, then it's going to work for you. Now, of course, you want to invest in smart investments, right? When I say invest, I'm not just saying, you know, just put money anywhere and hope for the best. That's not at all what I'm saying. You want to be very smart with that. You want to be conscious of what of what fees are. You want to be conscious of, of um, when you want to have access to the money. That's one of the most important things because then you can align your allocation with what your goals are. Hmm. Great guidance. Ben, if folks want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Email is, is one of the easiest. Okay. So my email address is ben, B-E-N, dot Francis, F-R-A-N-C-I-S, at in like Nancy, in like Mary, dot com. Excellent. We will include that in the show notes as well. Thank you, Ben. Absolutely. I've enjoyed talking with you. I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today. We upload the latest episode every Thursday to all the platforms, including Spotify and Apple. So if you've enjoyed this episode with Ben, please subscribe. As we wrap up, I've got a question for our listeners. Are you frustrated because your company's growth has been slowed by people, process, or planning problems? If yes, perhaps we can help. We love helping growing companies get to the root cause of these problems with coaching and training that's guaranteed to have a bottom line impact. To schedule a call, go to our website, bench-builders.com, or simply type unstuck.show in your browser. On this non-sales call, we'll talk about your business and what we do and see if it's a good match. So I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope you have picked up on some tips from Ben They'll help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time.